today with Reverend Roy Terry, who is the pastor of Cornerstone United Methodist in Naples, Florida. He has been there since, uh, he'll correct me if I'm wrong, but I think 1996. Um, so we are so excited to hear from uh, Roy and some others from Cornerstone United Methodist and hear about the incredible work that they are doing. So Roy, go ahead, introduce us. Um, to the others that are also going to be joining us. First and foremost, it's great to be with uh, Molly and Emily in this episode and to be able to share what God is doing in our community and on our property and through some really tremendously gifted folks who have given their time to see this garden grow in Naples on a reclaimed tomato in uh, tomato field where they used to do experiments on tomatoes. We reclaimed it, it's now organic and beautiful. And uh, so joining with me is David and Jan Etzel, and they are master gardeners and they're beautiful people. And so it's just a gift to be able to in introduce you to them and to hear the story of what's going on here. Hello from the garden. <laughs> oh. <laughs> yes, so Roy, David, Jan, whoever would like to go Will you tell us what is um, the community garden? What roles do you all play? Um, and what basically, how does it kind of work with each of you and your role with the community garden? And tell us a little bit about what it is. I might just start by saying that um, my role is I'm the pastor of Cornerstone United Methodist Church. And what I strive to do is to create environments where people can thrive in their gift sets. And so years ago, um, Jan and Dave happened to wander into a Lectio Divina we were having, and they started talking about gardening. And I said, well, I always had envisioned having a garden on the property. And boy, that's all I had to say, because they went full throttle. <laughs> the relationship between Cornerstone and the garden, Jan and Dave are deeply connected to the community in so many ways, not just as a not just as a denomination, but as, as literally community leaders, people who care about our community and the world. And, um, and so they have more invested in this, much more invested in this than I do. I, I, I eat from it occasionally, and I love to see it because it's beautiful. I am not a master gardener, so I have to surround myself with people with those gifts. Um, and, uh, and Cornerstone has been supportive in providing the property for, for the garden. One of the interesting things I just share and then let Dave and Jan share a little more about the garden itself. But, it, you know, Cornerstone has very few people that actually volunteer in the garden. We'd like to see more. Um, but there are a lot of people from the community that volunteer in the garden. Um, so it's a bigger story going on than just Cornerstone United Methodist Church. It's really made an impact in Collier County and 
and now the whole Florida conference and, and others as well. Okay, I guess I'll go first. I'm, I'm David and I'm, people call me the farm manager. Uh, sometimes I recognize Jan as the farm manager, but she tends towards more of the teaching end and I'm the uh, technical end. Uh, I've trained in organic farms uh, in the past. Matter of fact, coming out of college, that was one of my first jobs that I got involved in other things. And now in retirement, I'm back at it again here. So I, I do the technical end of the garden and uh, we both work it together. And as evolved, it started in 2011 uh, as, a community, as a community garden. And there was nothing out here. It was absolutely, it was just uh, grown over area that had not been used in at least 10 years uh, there. So then we started as a community garden. We allow people to have rows from the nearby community. We sit right in a highly residential area. You would not expect to find this here. Uh, the land is probably, I tell people, Roy probably knows better, but it is probably worth now a million, close to a million dollars an acre. It wasn't worth quite that much when we started, but now, now it is. Uh, but we started it and we rented rows to people from the developments around here. We found out quickly that that wasn't the best idea. It became very competitive and people, we, we supplied all the fertilizer to make it organic and regenerative uh, and any, we, we took care of any bugs and we supplied the seeds and the whole show for a very minimal amount, uh, but it did become competitive. We've since then become more and more of a cooperative, uh, which so that now, and we now extend from these basic 12 beds, little beds. We now have a large nursery, which is irrigated uh, with a mist system, a very, with tropical trees in it. We're growing 150 papaya right now for Immokalee and our own use where we'll grow those papaya to the fruits to be distributed uh, in Immokalee. And beyond that, there are rows, and then there is an, a grove of at least 90 tropical fruit trees. We're in south, southwest Florida, where we can grow mangoes and avocados, and uh, which the rest of the state may be, not be able to do. Matter of fact, just a few miles west of here, you can't grow that. But uh, so I have that, that background. Jan is more of the teacher. She can tell you she uh, was the teaching end of it. So um, I'm, I'm a certified teacher, retired. Um, I've been a missionary for 10 years um, in Mexico and in France, not knowing um, in my early life when I started at about 12 years old, working in a garden in the inner city of Boston, um, not knowing what God's bigger picture was, but the desire was there to grow food in the inner city. And then, so I have about 52 years experience of gardening <laughs> um, and, can, and I still don't know enough. Um, I'm a certified pastoral ministry um, trainee. Um, so I headed up for, for Cornerstone um, 
the care and nurture team. So in nurturing, is that mothering of nurturing people and helping people to find their ministries. And then <clears throat> um, I was a hospice volunteer and we're certified in permaculture. So that's our technique of being able to teach people how to conserve energy, how to, how to make a statement and take time to do it. So to make like a snail, slow moving. We live in a gated community across the lake. We didn't grow up Methodist. We saw the sign, as Roy said, about Lectio Divina. David went to that. And every reading was about growing seeds, the faith of a mustard seed, and on and on it goes. And so it's like, wow. So the relationship started 17 years it took us to come here, 17 years. And in that 17 years, I must say that where it all started was in the vision of knowing about the land. And I heard the land cry that it wanted to be fertile. So what do you mean being fertile? So we did our homework and then come to find out all the tomato fields. So yes, we grow tomatoes and we do very well with tomatoes. So the plants, the plant life has already been in the ground just waiting for it to be stirred. And I think God has been doing the same thing within us as we have been cultivated, cultivate abundance, you know, there is an abundance that has come out of that calling um, to answer what God has put in us. And um, not only are we certified in permaculture, but we also just completed a certification in addiction recovery and transformational life because you have to go hand in hand. The people that have come to the garden don't just come here to garden. They come here to learn, but they have a story, they have a heart, they have a life. And there are things that have happened in people's lives that I don't know, for some reason I become very sensitive to. So there's that care and nurture part where it just goes outside of the building. And when people come to the garden, um, we get to know their stories. And when you hear a story, you can't just be quiet about it. So as God leads, as the spirit moves, what happens is there's transformation and vegetables grow. <laughs> that's, that's absolutely incredible. Thank you um, for all of you for being here today. Um, we are so grateful to dive in um, to hear more. And so the community garden basically started in 2011. So I oh, have yeah, a feeling. Year. Yeah. Yeah. That's incredible. So I have a feeling things have shifted over the years, like you you already explained. So today, when you look at the community garden, who benefits from the community garden? And then also, where does the produce go? Who gets the produce? Um, so can you explain a little bit about where the actual, so the papayas, where, where who gets the papayas or things like that? Okay, well, we, we have several sections as it has developed over the years uh, here. We're sitting in with the original 12 beds, really, uh, which is now used, that's used uh, with Jan uh, with uh, Naples Christian Academy 
which is a Christian school where sixth grade class comes once a week and for three hours and they work and uh, learn do their nature projects in this this group. So that, and that becomes there because uh, some of that has started and we have in the nursery. Uh, those trees are offered all around uh, to whoever wants them here in, in Naples or and a lot of them are now going out uh, to, to Immokalee. Beyond that is we have like a production area. Uh, and then, as I say, it's a cooperative. So if you're, if you are part of the cooperative, you come here, if uh, you receive according to your, your need, really. Uh, and if there's one person, the one person can have all that one person wants. If it, if they have one person comes and they have a family, then they can take whatever they need for their family. And then beyond that, uh, our surplus uh, goes to Immokalee. Uh, so we both take it out there. On Fridays, they distribute at this mission out there. Uh, they feed uh, between four and 500 uh, people every uh, Friday afternoon uh, out there. So that food goes out there uh, and they, there's a group that works with them that actually supplies us with seedlings. Some of it, we grow our own. And the same really with the, the, the uh, fruit tree area out there. Uh, that those fruits, we have, the, part of that is the knowledge of what groups comes here. We have the, uh, a Madame Francis mango. That happens to be the, the favorite in Haiti. The Haitians can spot it at 30 feet once it's over out there. They know exactly what that mango is. You wouldn't like it. And different <laughs> nationalities have their favorite foods. The papaya, it's eaten green in the Caribbean. It's eaten yellow ripe uh, here in America. And uh, people of Central America cook it and eat it different ways. But, so it's distributed with the cooperative. And then uh, we used to, it used to go to the church. Uh, we were there from Thanksgiving until Easter uh, distributing. Uh, and if, and the neighborhoods, there are neighbors here and in the communities that they come and uh, it's shared with them as well. One of, the One of the things that we do at the school is that once the children come, the children, I break down how, what we know. So it's manageable in ways that the children can learn. So um, every week, only three hours, and yet those three hours, what they learn and what they do and what they experience, no textbook, no classroom can actually teach them what they've been learning. And so the kids have been growing their own food, doing community gardening, I mean, doing, um, um, what is it called? Companion, um, companion gardening. As God brings us together to work with each other, we have to know about the plants. What best do you plant next to something that's going to make it grow and excel to be all that they can be? You know, and I just I just see so many correlations between what God is doing and what we do here. But when we harvest for the students, because of COVID-19, we haven't been able to really harvest for the school. 
we would go out to the field as well as what they've been growing in the smaller rows um, and harvest for the whole school. So instead, the children's families have been coming to the garden and the families have been seeing what's going on and the kids are getting excited saying, look, this is a carrot, you know, and then they know how to look to see if it's ready to be harvested. And then when they pull it out and then one girl who is so shy um, and didn't want to get her hands dirty and, you know, just wasn't comfortable in this spot at all. She told us that she had a rabbit and it was like, perfect. Well, let's harvest for the rabbit. And then her hands were all in. And then her mother comes and now she bought, so now she participates and they're eating foods that they have never even heard about that they would probably never have tried before. So I think that was a good transition with COVID-19 being able to still allow the students to come to the school. They're not doing any field trips except for coming here, which I think is awesome. Um, and I think being able to, um, as, as David said, um, we have the Madame Frances mango. And when I was out in Immokalee and we were doing the distribution, their eyes lit up if they were from Haiti. Um, and they cried. They, and I know Creole, so I was able to speak with them. And they said it was a taste of home that they, have, they thought they lost. And when I talk with the pastor, um, Pastor Miguel, he's from Guatemala. And he often had told me that um, when he first came here and he was tasting foods that people said were from Guatemala, they really didn't taste like home to him. But when we started to bring out some of the fruits and vegetables, he said, now that's a taste of home. And he's the one that makes the meals so for the people that come for the distribution day, they get a hot meal and that food would come from here and from um, other organizations. So we're all, as, as Molly had said earlier, we're only just one portion of the greater picture here. And how, how blessed are we to have this partnership? I was gonna say that you know, part of our work together and Dave and Jan both embody this in their life and the way that they live and their witness in Christ. But it's this idea of God's economy and how the abundance that God provides is available and free for all who receive it. So a lot of times people that will try to strategize and figure out how we can make money off the garden, you know, to help support the ministry of the church. And we always like, that's not the mission of the garden. <laughs> you're, you're missing the point. So, you know, he talks about the distribution. There are actually people that drive up and will come to the garden. And a lot of times we'll have people just walk in freely. We appreciate it if they ask first, but we're also aware that there's some folks that are embarrassed to ask. And so they'll come in the middle of the night knowing that there's food that they can have. And, and you know that they're feeding their kids or their family through that. Um, and, and I'll just emphasize, you know, taking it out to Immokalee and realizing that there are farm workers who are, you know, harvesting food, vegetables every day, but do not have access to the same quality fruits and vegetables that we do because it's too expensive to be able to eat fresh vegetables and have that available for them is, is, a, is a gift. And the fact that Jan and Dave have been able to cultivate 
these fruits and vegetables from all over the world. They have some weed in that garden. Let me do it. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's good. Now, wait a second. I'm in, I'm in relationship with them. I'm willing to try anything at least once. And she'll say, this tastes like chocolate pudding. And I'll be, and I'll, yeah, I don't know about that. No. <laughs> Now that yeah. you say that, the yeah. chocolate pudding fruit, that fruit that we call black sapote, is ripe now. <laughs> Good. <laughs> I know you have more questions for us. Yeah. <laughs> I'm um, just so like, this is so much fun. I'm so happy to hear this, um, these stories and how amazing um, it sounds that God is really working in this community and bringing together all of these different connections um, and the ability to really harvest and grow um, these foods that are literally reminding people of home, like what a gift that is. Um, Roy, I'm a little bit curious about how um, the community in the church and just the community um, that surrounds the church, the transformation that you've seen um, since the beginning of this garden and where it is today. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Maybe um, a little story or. Yeah, there's a couple things that have, it's actually evolved. So just as uh, David was mentioning that we start with the 12 rows, um, just being aware of the culture we find ourselves and, you know, Naples is an extremely wealthy community. Um, you might attach the word entitled to that. Um, and so, convenience is a part of that entitled world. Um, so to have to actually get into a garden and get your hands dirty in order to produce the food that you wanna eat isn't necessarily appealing to a lot of people. And yet, because we're allowing God and the spirit to move in this and work within this garden, which we know God has planted in this place, um, I, see, I see people's hearts changing and, 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 and growing in a direction where they begin to see the value of actually being a part of the land and allowing the land to produce the abundance that we need rather than just going into a grocery store and getting whatever you want whenever you want. Um, that that's not a healthy model for how to continue to sustain agriculture throughout the world. And if anything, and Dave Jan are right in this, learning how to garden in your backyard is what the future is for us. It's not, we're not gonna be able to continue to sustain and feed 8 billion people on the planet unless we learn how to take care of God's creation and, and the soil that we have. So I, I'm a, to answer your question, there's a, it's a maturation, I think, of being present to draw off a Wendell Berry. It's this idea of connecting with the land, being present with the community, growing with the community and seeing how that leads. And so what I see happening now is that there are people actually having some light bulb moments. Well, maybe this is something we need to pay more attention to. Um, I know Jan and Dave over the years have get, have grown, uh, they're very patient, but at the same time, there's some frustration because we want, you know, they just want people to get it, <laughs> including me sometimes. And, and sometimes we are, we get in our way, the way of ourselves. And then all of a sudden God reveals to us how important this movement is and how important this work is and how well connected it is to who God calls us to be. Um, that salvation is not just a, 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 an event for us as you know, individuals, it, it's, when we talk about God's salvation, we talk about the redemption of the whole of creation. And that that's a gift that we have right in front of us, maybe even our backyards. Um, and so I see that happening. Uh, 
it's interesting. Last little thing I'll share is that, you know, we have a lot of folks moving down here from the north right now, whether they're escaping, you know, COVID shutdown or whether they, the, the winter was brutal up north. Um, a lot of folks from New Jersey and New York, and all of a sudden they're finding themselves in the garden. Like there's, and yep. I have no idea how they find out about it, but they show up in the garden. Well, I can tell you a story. There was a family that came from New York and they came just before Thanksgiving. And when they came, they homeschooled three children and they were here to live with the, the, the husband's parents who are here seasonally on the East Trail, which is not near us. It's on the other side of town. How they found us was they went online looking for specifically a church with garden and Cornerstone came up. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. This is not the first time that we've had that story come along. But little did we know what really was going on with that family. And there was, so we had a celebration. We harvested food. We cooked it here. We had potluck. We invited them two days after they arrived, you know, and then they get blown away by meeting everybody. But after that happened, they made a commitment to come on Wednesdays and on Saturdays. And they would be here for four hours working diligently with whatever we needed. Okay, that's interesting. And that's usually the flow of what happens. And then just before Christmas, the family had a member that was in crisis. And who did they call? They called me. And they asked us what was going on. You know, they told me what was going on with the family. They asked us for our advice as to where they could go for some mental help because the family revealed something that was a shock to the whole family. So, someone came out of hiding and it was truly amazing that we were able to build a trust with them in a short amount of time. And yet God's way would be to speed up the time and bring us here to be in, in a relationship. And we got help for the sister. And then the family went to Maine and the husband and son stayed here in Naples. And when they stayed here in Naples, they continued to show up every Wednesday and every Saturday. And then he brought his sister. He goes back to New York to join with the family. And now the sister comes here to the garden. But I also found out that she plays tennis. And I went and I watched her play tennis. So what does that tell you? I'm interested in having them be a part of what I believe in my life. But how about me turning around my life and being a part of their life? Just watching a tennis match is all it took. And now she's in continued counseling. We continued, I continued to follow up with her, but that's a powerful story. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to share that. So it goes beyond what we might think, but we're here and we're available listening to the hearts as to what is the heart's cry? What, I always ask, what is, how's your soul doing? That's my question. How's your soul? that's really what I'm after. I want to know the bottom line. And now I know how to get there. So I just am very grateful for that opportunity to witness 
a transformation. And in their, and, and then in that case, I am totally transformed. I'm not the same person that I was when I met them before I met this particular family. So the transformation goes both ways and I'm willing to change. Wow, that is just so amazing. It, what I really um, was picturing in all of that is how a garden can be really that, that space um, outside of our buildings where people feel comfortable to come. Um, they're curious to learn and we witness not only growth in the soil, but we also witness growth in relationship among us and how powerful that can be. So this growing of, you know, food actually becomes growing of spirit and growing of um, connection with God and, you know, each other and how powerful that is. Um, so I, I think we want to turn a little bit now towards um, to hear a little bit more about um, some of the outreach that you all do with the migrant families. Um, I'm curious, you know, what um, your relationships kind of look like with um, those other outreaches, ministries that you've talked about, what, um, what advice you could give to us to hear, you know, how we can partner with these migrant uh, farm workers and what that kind of looks like. I would start by just saying that Cornerstone's always had a deep connection with our siblings in Immokalee. Um, and one of the connections that I've been very actively involved in was with the Coalition of Immokalee Workers and continue to be involved with Coalition. And the Coalition of Immokalee Workers is deeply committed to the work of Mission PL, which is what Jan and Dave are talking about and working through Harvest Abundance. Um, that is probably, in my opinion, as far as a, an agency working with Immokalee, one of the most uh, beautiful and beneficial uh, movements for the Immokalee community, um, not only in the current pandemic food crisis, but also when we've had hurricanes, Irma, Wilma, that, that place has been a center for distribution, for relief for the farm working families, and the CIW works closely with them. So it's just a, when Jan and Dave told me that they were actually involved with Mission PL and they 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 were also um, uh, working with Harvest Abundance, it just brought joy to my heart because it just continues. The story just continues. So those connections are important and deep. And I think in any community in Florida, any church community, you can call RCMA. You can call. Uh, you can find those migrant farm working communities around that you could make a connection with and then find ways that you could serve and help help provide for their needs. I, I just want to share one thing about um, the food that comes from the garden and about Cultivate Abundance and Mission Penile. I, I keep the stats for the garden as to what we're growing and how much we're producing. And this is the, in, in, in the last two years that we've been involved with or partnered with Cultivate Abundance, 695.13 pounds of food came out of the garden. I'm gonna say that again. I am over, I am over, I am over the moon on this just two years of food that has come out of the garden 
for cultivate abundance, meaning that we grew, so squash, I wrote down potatoes, Japanese um, eggplant, squash, yucca, which is a main staple for them, a variety of mangoes, um, what else, kale, and the like. 695.13 pounds of food has gone there. And then the, that, that caused me to go back and try and figure out what have we done in the last 10 years? <laughs> I don't have that figure for you, but it, it, if that's just two years, I can't imagine what it would be for 10 years. Um, but that's, God has been present and the food tastes good. <laughs> we out to their facility out there and went for the distribution We're out there to pick up they have a little nursery behind the mission there uh, and they have been here so uh, they've come here because sometimes we have too much and we, we can't pick it all or they're so eager to get it that they will come out and pick it if we can't get at it uh, and we had just there was quite a group of here about a month ago that came out and picked and they bagged it all up for the, the group. What impressed me was also that uh, that they showed us what they do with it. I mean, it was came out and uh, we have like, it was a variety of Romanesco, it looks like a little Christmas tree, but it has great big leaves. It's it's halfway between a broccoli and a cauliflower. Anyway, but what they said, oh, and it has huge leaves, which we just eat this little cauliflower head. They wanted the whole plant. No, we'll put that in soup. We're going to use that for soup. When the, that they use the whole plant, and that their eagerness and their their uh, knowledge of how to cook these plants also. Uh, in different styles that we're not used to. And Nepalis, which is a cactus, they showed me, this, this woman, Lupita, she showed me how to make jellies and jams and sauces with that. So not only have we brought food out to them, but they've also opened up our eyes even more so and what you can do with it. We also had a church within the 10 years we also reached out to, um, it's called the Current Church, and they had a food distribution that was up in Bonita Springs. And someone from the garden that came to volunteer heard about their distribution and said, you need to be up there. And I said, oh, mm. we do? Okay, let's go. Introduce me to them. So she did. We spent a day up there. And then the, the following week, we harvested food brought it up there and I had a Spanish interpreter and we were able to do a food demonstration to educate people as to what the food is and what you can then do with it. It's one thing to grow it, but now what are you gonna do with it? So it's all education, it's opening our eyes to whoever wants to come, there is food. We have a coffee tree here and this year we had, I, I was shown how to roast the beans and we had our first cup of coffee from the beach. So, Roy, there's more coffee coming. <laughs> the only thing I want to add, because I have to be heading out here pretty soon, but the but it's been a joy to be with you all, and thank you for sharing and 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 letting Jan and Dave share this story and their work here 
on the property at Cornerstone and with the all the community um, is that you know it takes good soil to to grow good plants and so you want to talk about community relationships my wife's an equestrian we have a farm with horses and they produce mm -hmm. a lot of manure yeah and so all of the manure mm -hmm. from our farm actually comes to Cornerstone and is a part of the soil yeah. so any person who has come out there who's a biologist or who studies soil will tell you the the richest soil in the entire state of Florida is on Cornerstone. And you know, 24 horses, you gotta get a lot of rid of a lot of manure. So my suggestion is wherever you find yourself in Florida or as a church, where anywhere in the country, there are horse farms everywhere. And they're mm -hmm. always trying to get rid of their manure. And a lot of times they just send it to the to the organic dump, which is a waste. Find a community garden or open it up to community gardeners and say, come and get it. And they will. And so uh, we ship it there and uh, they bring it very faithfully. And we're very appreciative of that. So thank you for that partnership. You know, that's that is wonderful. Well, I also when I dump it where David wants it, though. Yeah. <laughs> when I was working at the hospital, I was trying to figure out how I was going to get wood chips to put in the garden because it's part of permaculture, the layering and all of that. So it breaks down and becomes soil to mix it with the horse manure. And as I was driving to work, I got to um, a stop sign and the truck next to me said, Arbor trees, free mulch. <laughs> That's what I read. And it was like, okay. And then there was a telephone number. So by, <laughs> by the time I got to work, I called them and I had a delivery that was here and they kept on dumping it. You know, so we reach out to the community, but the community has been providing stuff for us as long as we can see that God is showing us in different ways how to have that need be provided. Um, so Mission Panayo, we have done to church, we've been to the schools, we've been to other churches in the area who have been asking about about the garden, how do you start and trying to help them out. So we usually say, or what I usually tell people is if you come and work with us for a year, we'll teach you everything. And then we can go back to where you are and help you get started. So Roy was right that it really is having a garden behind your house. So it's close by and then you can learn, but it's being in that relationship um, to the whole community. That's that's incredible. I know, Roy, you need to go, but I still have one more question for uh, Jan and David. So thank you so much, Roy, for your time. Thank you, um, thank you Roy. I'm thrilled that you're able to share and hear David and Jan. So and, and we love you all, Molly and Emily, and thank you for your good work, too. Yes, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. So a quick question for for you both. Um, you have continuously brought up how important it is to the food that you provide for people to, to that's food that they enjoy, that they like, that they want. We often hear of uh, when you go to a food pantry or you know you get the get food, it's often food that people want nothing like they don't enjoy. It's processed, it's cheap, right. Um, and then last week, Emily and I were a part of a, um, did a, a virtual conference with Feed America. And someone said the comment um, in one of the, the sessions that 
when people often come to get the food, we're really rude to them. We're really like, we kind of make it like they're, they're a burden, um, which is also very interesting that we're, you know, we're treating them like that. So throughout this whole time that you all have been speaking, I've just been thinking about how much it's been a priority to you all to make sure that people have that relationship with you both. They feel comfortable, you know, calling you when there's a crisis and you make them feel like they're part of the family, but also you care for them to make sure they're comfortable with and it's stuff that they enjoy. Um, so let's say um, a nonprofit or food pantry at a local church wanted some advice on why is that important? Like, why should we care about who we serve or making them feel comfortable? What would you both tell them? Well, my, my uh, I think that's answering that question. My favorite story is, um, again, about Immokalee. Immokalee has always had a big Thanksgiving program out that the churches in Naples go out and do a Thanksgiving, uh, which is an American holiday, by the way, uh, out there. And they would always have turkey. And with all the fixings, with cranberry sauce, and all this. <laughs> and it, and it, it took them a while before the uh, people of Central America said, uh, the, the turkey's okay, but this, uh, whatever it is, cranberry thing, uh, we don't have any connection with it. And as a matter of fact, it's not in our taste buds at all to eat this. Uh, but you know, salsa is more of their style. But and part of that is also what we're growing. And we grow, uh, we find those people are very appreciative particularly out in Immokalee, and they will try a lot of what are really European vegetables that we are accustomed to. That's what we Americans like to grow, that's what we eat. Uh, but we have uh, found uh, particularly that they are the people that want and desire this. And so we have started growing uh, with their help, like some of it is, uh, and the mission people from uh, ECHO, in North Fort Myers uh, and Cultivate Abundance has advised us on things like yucca and papaya uh, that uh, yucca is one thing that actually I don't particularly care for, uh, but it, it is the staple for over a billion people in the world and they love it. When I drove out to Immokalee, I had so much in the trunk of my car that my trunk was open and I just walked in for a few minutes. And when I came back out, there was nothing going on at the mission at that time, but people were walking by. There was a crowd had formed behind my car, <laughs> just waiting. They knew exactly what that was. Uh, and uh, so they love it. And each nationality cooks it a different way. And we, we've learned a, a lot of that uh, from us, but we've also found what grows well here in Florida. And so that uh, in sharing that, so we're sharing uh, yucca with them. We have our kale and uh, which they are not, uh, it grows very well here in our area. Uh, and the, a lot of the brassicas, uh, we have those and they are adapting to that and saying, oh, we know how to cook that. Uh, so, and then we've, a lot of the Asian greens, we just call them Florida greens. And they find they love that. 
Jan, do you have anything to add? You were telling us a story before we hit record that I would love to hear. Um, so would you mind telling us what, before we were recording, uh, what you were telling us? Um, sure. Um, what was I saying? <laughs> um, we we're talking about relationships and why it's so important and in, in the work that you all do. Yeah, so one of the, so once we um, had had reconnected with the coordinator for Cultivate Abundance, um, I had such a desire. I want to see what this is all about. So I wanted to go out to Immokalee and to volunteer um, at Mission Penile for the food distribution. Um, in my personal life, before I met David, I was on the mission field and I knew what it was like to be on the mission field, to be in another culture and to adapt my whiteness to another culture and tastes and everything that goes with it. And but yet I found it interesting because part of me in my history is that I learned Spanish and I learned French and I learned Creole and I know that they speak it. I know that, that Creole is one of the big languages out there. And so I was really interested to, because if you don't use your language, you lose it. And here I thought, hmm, I want to go on a mission trip, but I don't know if we were ready. And, you know, here we are on the mission field. So I decided that I would um, go out to Immokalee to, to, to see what it was about. And when I got there, I met the pastor of the church and other churches from that had driven at least 45 minutes to come to this mission panel just to volunteer for the day, a Korean church. So they brought a lot of stuff, but what they did is they provided haircuts and activities for the children that came with the families after the farm workers were out of the field and they were coming to get their food allotment. And when I started to speak Creole, um, many of the people were so surprised because I'm a white woman speaking their language. And I knew, and they could understand and I could understand. So that was, that was really powerful. So each week I went, um, I was able to meet more people and to connect with them. So we would give out clothing, we would give out food allotments you know for the for the day or for the week for them and even there was um a section where they could have counseling if they needed that um but it was i saw more that day than i had seen you know any other time so to be in right relationship with the people now i know that i can tell everybody here in the garden that our food is going to these people and it does make a difference their lives were changed they came i met them they don't have anything covid 19 was coming you know and people were not able to go to work and so the relationships had you know changed there was a shortage of food. They don't get paid enough money to go to the store. And yet they're laying down their life to grow food for the whole country. How can we not be out there helping them out? It makes such a big difference. And like what David said, it's not growing the things that we already know. It's being open to what their need is. So you don't know if you're not there. 
I wouldn't have had my life changed if I didn't go to the mission fields, if I didn't answer that call. I thought I was going to Mexico for two weeks and I was gone for five years. And whatever happens, happens, you know. So I didn't know that we were going to be in our 10th year at the garden. And here we are. And the mission field, you know, is here. But the food tastes different. That's what they said. The food tastes different. And the biggest thing that the pastor, Pastor Miguel, he is from Guatemala. He had said that there were food that he was buying in the store that was shipped from somewhere else. And when he went shopping and he'd come home and he would cook for his family, didn't taste like home. It just didn't taste like home. And the Haitians were saying the same thing. The Guatemalans, the Mexicans, all the farm working community that is represented. When we brought food that came from our garden and I saw them and I heard them say, and they could see the tears, their lives are being changed. The biggest thing they said was, it's a taste of home. And I don't think anything comes as close to the heart as when someone says it's a taste of home. You know, how could we not do that? So one of the things that we have never done here is go to the is to go to farmers market and sell our produce. There's no way I'm not going to be part of that. I say no to consumerism. I'm not a part of the flow, what's going on. That's something different. We're not into making money. We asked the church for no money. We have never asked the church for anything. Um, we have a water system, a drip irrigation system that comes out of the lake. We have a filtering system. We have poured into it, but yet fresh expressions from the, from the Florida conference gave us $1,000. They awarded us $1,000 that went to tools and to, and to repair and for more seeds. But it was, you know, so that's where it went. And um, we, have, we have been written up in the local newspapers um, many times over. Kiwanis groups and other groups have come through here in the last 10 years. Um, people looking for something. And then when they come, they say, we never knew it was here. You know, so it's quite powerful when it's by word of mouth. Um, if you're willing to go to someone else's house, go walk in someone else's shoes, your eyes, and you change because of that. And isn't that like what Mother Teresa says? You know, it's you, I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was naked and you gave me clothes. You know, it's don't, I want to be there. I want to be that extension. I want to be the eyes, the ears, the mouthpiece. I want to be the hands and the feet and go wherever we're needed. And that's what I found in the people that came to work at, I mean, to, to volunteer at Mission Penile for the food um, pantry. And wow, I can talk all day. <laughs> well your stories have been absolutely inspiring and beautiful and just such a powerful message of when we ask god to use us for service we are truly um moved by the spirit things come together um you know people 
hear the story, they experience the garden, they um, feel home, and they feel God's connection to that and to you. And just what a powerful message that is for all of us today to hear and be inspired by. So I'm just so grateful for your time <laughs> to be with us, um, for Pastor Roy, who he um, had a leave, but we are just so grateful for you all in the ministry that you do and the community garden that you've created and have nurtured and the relationships you've built and just your ability to hear God's call and to truly um, live a servant life in that. And mm -hmm. I'm just so inspired. Thank you. Um, One so of the things that I wanted to share too was, um, if you don't mind me saying, yeah, um, is that um one of the questions that I read was, what can we tell people as to how they can support us or to support the farm working community? Or how can, what can the church do? And we are the church outside the walls. So we are the church. And if we, not everyone is going to be called to be a gardener, to be in the farm, you know, to be with that connection. But we all have gifts. We all, we all live in a community. Are we, first of all, aware of the needs in that community? And who's providing for the needs of the community? And that is everyone to find out what they're called to do and then to go out and do that. And if you just try it with one person, who knows? It's good. And you never know who's watching you. The stories that come around afterwards, it's like, I remember when you said this, really? I mean, I didn't even know I said it. But it's, I think that's what I would want everyone to know is that you, there is a way for you to find your gifts, your, your true calling. And then once you find that, you have been empowered to go do it. And I started alone. I was going to go to Mexico with five other people, and I went alone. Little did I know, there were three people in Mexico that knew I was coming that I didn't know were there, and we were able to connect. So I was willing to go even though I was one. So if everyone could do that, find their gift and to put it into action, because faith without actions, you know, doesn't go very far. Um, but there are many ways that we can touch people um, in the process. Uh, just be aware um, of what the cry is and answer the cry. Amen. I totally agree. Okay. Um, any last um, wisdom that you would like to leave with us before we close out? No, I just, uh, there, there is a lot of uh, to setting up a, a community garden, if that's a, a plan any church has. Uh, we were fortunate we had some people, uh, professional farmers who were in the church who set up our irrigation system. There are special requirements. If someone comes from Ohio, they may be a good farmer, but you're, uh, you can forget it in Florida. It's, uh, I say the advice, if you're a good farmer in Ohio, you'll do perfect if you do just a 180 on everything you know. The soil here is the opposite. The seasons are the opposite. The soil is the opposite. And uh, how the sun the, it goes from hot to cold up north, you start in the cold and you 
have a warm summer and then it goes cold again. Here it goes the exact opposite. There are all kinds of diseases uh, unique. We'd be glad to help someone if they're interested in contact, can, contacting us. Uh, but uh, there are some tricks to it. Farming in, in Florida. Well, I know our listeners will be really grateful to hear and we'll make sure to include your contact information um, in the notes um, on the podcast and video so that they can um, know who to turn to if they need some advice. Um, I know there are a few churches that are looking at starting some community gardens soon, so this will be really helpful for them. Um, well, again, I am just so grateful for your time and just to hear your stories. And I, I'm planning a trip. I'm going to come up and see you because I want to see this community garden. Um, so hopefully we'll get to meet in person someday soon. And um, just to close us, I'm going to say a little prayer for us and then um, we'll, we'll be done. So let us go to God in prayer. God of the universe, of the gardens, of the rain, of the sky, of the plants and the animals, we are so grateful for the life that you give us and the callings that you place in our lives, that we are um, able to work the garden, that we are able to work the land, we are able to be in relationship um, with our um, community members and um, with you that through our relationship with you, we are able to um, make a difference in the world by simply um, growing some produce and giving it to our neighbors. Um, the magic and the blessing goes far beyond our understanding and we are just so grateful for that. Um, be with the community garden in Naples and at Cornerstone for Roy um, and for Amen. Um, all that they do and what amazing um, ministry that they have created. And so be with them and um, bless us as we leave this place today. It is in your name that we pray. Amen. Amen. Amen.